you have a Bible, I would ask you to turn to Psalm 119. And we'll look at the first eight verses of this psalm. Lord willing, the rest of this month I will preach um, two more sermons after today on Psalm 119. And then we will head to the New Testament um, and uh, likely look at the book of 2 Timothy. And uh, so today, Psalm 119, beginning in verse one, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with a whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments. I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. Let's pray. Lord, would you teach us, would you instruct us from this psalm today? We, uh, we bow in reverence before your holy word. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts now be acceptable in your sight, for you alone are our strength and our redeemer. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if there is one thing that all human beings have in common, whether they be believers or unbelievers, it is... Uh, the yearning for happiness. Does anyone here today not want to be happy? Uh, the problem is that the vast majority of people don't know how to obtain real happiness, do they? Uh, psalm 119 is a wonderful psalm. And like Psalm 1, and like the Beatitudes... In Matthew 5, that was another passage I had thought about reading as a parallel uh, today. But these psalms uh, and, and the Beatitudes begin with that word, blessed. Uh, blessed. And blessedness is the idea of being truly happy and favored by God. And so true blessedness or happiness uh, is something we yearn for. Uh, but the only way to find it is through uh, a covenant, being in covenant relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ and following him in sincere obedience to his commands. So we, to be blessed, to be happy, uh, we need to, to follow his commands. But in order to do that, we have to first know Jesus and be uh, united to him by faith. Well, this psalm was written by someone we don't know for sure. Some of the older writers uh, say it was David. I don't know. But certainly this psalm was written by someone who was in such a covenant relationship with God. You see, there's no way to keep the law of God uh, and be happy. Uh, thus, uh, and else... You be converted to Jesus Christ by faith. And, and even under the old covenant, of course, uh, they were looking ahead to Christ. Um, 
And they were putting their confidence in the, the Messiah who was to come. But um, Psalm 119 shows us an individual who is obsessed, obsessed with the Word of God. You know, we have obsessions in, in life of one kind or another. Um, you know, uh, but if you want to be obsessed with something, here's something that is the very thing that would be the, the best obsession you could have. I'm obsessed with the Bible. Uh, oh, yeah, that person, yeah, I know him. He's just, he's he's crazy about the Word of God. He loves his Bible, and, and he can't read it enough. He can't talk about it enough. Well, this is the psalmist in Psalm 119. Uh, and the purpose of this psalm is to show us the affection and love that the psalmist has for God and God's work. And the purpose of this, him writing the psalm, well, he did it to encourage himself, but he also did it to encourage us, to stir us up, to have that same kind of love for God, his law, and the desire uh, to please him. So if you're a Christian, uh, first of all, you became a Christian by hearing the word of God, didn't you? That's how important God's word is. Uh, Paul writing to his disciple Timothy, 2 Timothy, that Lord willing we'll get into soon. From childhood, he said, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. He was referring to the Old Testament Scriptures. The Old Testament saints uh, could believe and be saved in Jesus Christ, who was to come. And now we, of course, know him as one who has come. But thank God for being raised in a Christian home like Timothy was, uh, a godly home where the word of God was read, believed, and, and taught. Thank God if you were raised in church where the Bible was faithfully preached and taught. Thank God if someone came along in your life to tell you about the word of God. And this word gives us knowledge. We know that. It's, it's a book that teaches us, gives us knowledge about God, knowledge of ourselves, and of the way of salvation. This word also shows us not only how to be saved, but how the saved ought to live. It teaches us how to please the Lord whom we love. Uh, if you're saved, you love the Lord and you want to know, how do I express my love to God? Uh, it is found in Scripture. Uh, so this word, the word of God, is also the means by which we are sanctified. It's, it's the way in which we uh, are taught to, uh, to walk with God. And so therefore, it is the way in which we find true happiness. You've been searching for happiness. It's right here in the Bible. The way of happiness is the way of the word. So as we study these eight verses, these first eight verses in Psalm 119, um, may the Lord stir us up to, uh, to love him, to love his word. And as a result, you will discover uh, that you're being, becoming happier and happier in life. Uh, first, first thing to look at, three points today, first three verses we see the blessing of obedience. Verse 1 begins, well, actually begins with a letter, uh, the, the written out letter, Aleph. Aleph is 
the A of the Hebrew alphabet. It's the first letter. And each stanza of eight verses begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And also, if you could read Hebrew, you would see that each verse begins with that same Hebrew letter. So every verse in, in, in these first eight verses, uh, the first word in verse begins with the Hebrew letter Aleph. It, it's no doubt a device that was used to help uh, the people memorize this psalm. And so we're already taught a lesson here that, it, that is that the importance of memorizing Scripture. But verse 1 begins, Blessed or happy are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. The undefiled. Uh, to be defiled is to be soiled, to be to be dirty, to be made unclean. And the undefiled, you see, is the one who is blessed. Uh, an undefiled person is a blameless person. It's the same Hebrew word used in Job chapter 1, verse 1, uh, to describe Job as one who was blameless and upright and who feared God and shunned evil. Uh, blame, that word blameless, some translations have that instead of undefiled. But uh, the undefiled person is the person God blesses. We know that, that sin brings a curse. Curse is the opposite of blessing. Uh, if we dwell and live uh, in sin, if we go the way of sin... We're not going to be blessed. Uh, we're, the curse will, will abide upon us. But God desires to bless our lives. So sin's got to be removed. Sin is blocking the way of blessing. And that's true in your life as a Christian. Uh, you say, well, I have, why haven't I not been experiencing his blessing in my life? Um, why have I not been very happy? It's because my life has been defiled by sin. Sin has blocked the way of his blessing. And you see, by nature, we are defiled. We're not in the way of the Lord. We're going our own way. And we know the truth of the matter is, is that the only way to, to become undefiled is to, to turn to Jesus Christ and let his atoning blood wash our sins away. That's the good news, is that, is that you, uh, you and I cannot become undefiled in and of ourselves but Christ will cleanse us and so having been washed uh, and been saved uh, we are to continue in the power of the grace of God and in order that we might keep from being uh, defiled again and and of course it's not merely the absence of sin that uh that that we need we need the positive obedience to God's commands so it, it's not about just staying clean okay it's not about just keeping your nose clean you know I didn't do anything bad today well did you do anything good <laughs> did you uh, did you keep the law of the Lord uh, not merely negatively but positively blessed are those who walk in the law of the Lord uh, Spurgeon said something to the effect, well, you know, a person can sit down in the road and, and stay clean, but he's not going anywhere. You see, we're, we're to walk in that way. We're to make progress. We're to move. We're to walk in the law. 
And of course, we must be strengthened every day by the grace of the Lord Jesus, which enables us to walk in that law. Think of Christian in, in Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. He was on a journey to the celestial city. Uh, and, and so you and I are on a road, a narrow path, as Jesus put it. And that path is sometimes uh, yeah, very narrow, and it's sometimes treacherous, and there are temptations to get off and to go an easier way. Uh, but the only way for us to stay on that path and, and to walk in the law of the Lord is to walk with the Lord of that law. So we need a closer walk with God. And the closer we walk with the Lord and in his law, the happier we will be. The happier we will be. Verse 2 continues on this theme, blessed. So we have a double blessing here in the first two verses. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. Uh, you have this Hebrew parallelism often uh, in in the Psalms, blessed are those who keep his testimonies. Blessed are those who seek him with the whole heart. Um, what are his testimonies? This is another. This is one of the many words in Psalm 119. There are, in fact, eight main words. I won't list them, but testimony is one of them. The words that refer, in some way, to the law of God. Testimonies, statutes, laws, commands. These kind of Words are, are synonyms. But the whole of Scripture, you might say, is God's testimony as to who He is, as to what His will is uh, for mankind. Uh, his, his Word is His testimony to the truth about Himself and about ourselves and, and about our relationship to Him. And so when we keep His testimonies, we are to do so, uh, the psalmist says, not merely as an external act of obedience, but we are to seek him with the whole heart. Wholehearted obedience is what God is after. And, um, you know, our goal in, in studying the Bible, first of all, is to know God. It's to know God so that we can love him. And to, in order to uh, express our love for him, uh, we look to that law of God that he has given us. So, uh, and as we keep his testimonies, you see, that maintains something. Not, it doesn't maintain your salvation, okay? You're, you're saved if you know Jesus. But it maintains your relationship with the Lord. It maintains your fellowship with Christ. And so by keeping his testimonies, we are remaining in fellowship and spirit spiritual communion uh, with the Lord. And of course, when we sin, we, we confess it. We have a means by which to get, get right with God again. And it can happen in an instant. As soon as we sin and then confess that sin and turn from it, we can be right back uh, on track with the Lord. But this idea of seeking the Lord with our whole hearts uh, Jeremiah 29:13 says, "And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart." How many of us uh, can look at our lives in the past and how many can, can you know we can say that they didn't find the Lord because they really weren't serious about seeking him. They, it was only a, a passing interest. It was only a part-time pursuit. Um, to pursue the Lord, 
with all the heart is um, is something else. And so uh, we can be thankful, of course, that as God promised in Ezekiel, that he has put his spirit within us so that we would uh, keep his statutes, so that we would begin to seek him with all our hearts. Verse 3, uh, they also do no iniquity, they walk in his ways. And this verse continues to describe the way of, of blessedness. They do no iniquity. Question is, does he really mean what, what it sounds like he means here, that we don't sin at all? Well, 1 John 3, 9 says, Whoever's been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he's been born of God. Again, it sort of sounds like that Christians never sin. Is that true? Well, think about it this way. Before you were saved, you only committed sin. You, you, you did nothing but iniquity. All right? Every thought and every intention of the thoughts of your heart and, and consequently your deeds before you were saved were only sin. Um, and so we have been made new creatures in Christ. Does that mean that we never sin? Um, I'm going to say no. It doesn't mean that. <laughs> if it does, I, I, I'm in trouble. Um, John, in that same epistle where he said, you know, that the one who is born of God doesn't sin, he says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So, you know, which is right? Well, they're both right. But what does he mean? Well, when he says the believer doesn't sin, he, he's saying that he does not continue in it as a way of life. He doesn't continue in a life that is dominated by sin. Now that we're in Christ, we hate the sins that we commit, and we repent of those sins. We don't continue in them as a way of life, and those sin dwells in us still, to our, much to our own uh, grief. Uh, it no longer dominates us. We no longer walk in its ways. We no longer walk in our ways, but we're seeking to walk in his Way. So we walk in, as those who are in Christ, who are united to Jesus Christ. And you, you see, you and I are in union with him who has defeated sin. And so, as I said, to walk in his ways, it, it doesn't mean just to avoid committing a sin, uh, but to actively seek to do good in loving God and loving others. So. Uh, a lot of people think, tend to think, and you and I would would say the same thing at times, that in order to be happy, I need to be able to do my own thing and, and, and have my own way. You know, If I can just do what I want to do, I'll be happy. Uh, but the Bible says, no, true happiness is found in doing God's will. And though we do not walk in absolute perfection, uh, we are called and enabled to make steady progress in the way. Trust and obey. Well, there's no other way to be what? Happy in Jesus. Point two. Verses four through six. 
speaks of our resolve, our commitment to keep the law. In verse 4, he says, You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Okay, so God gives commandments. We've all heard the saying, you know, he gave us commandments, not suggestions. He means that they be kept. Uh, he really is serious about it. And, and we're not to be slack. We're not to be negligent in our duty to God. We are to keep his precepts diligently. And diligence refers to something that we give constant and earnest effort uh, to accomplish. It, it's constancy. It's, it's um, giving ourselves fully. Uh, to the performance of a duty. And I looked up the root meaning of this Hebrew word for diligence. And at its root, it it has reference to a rake or a poker that's used to stir up the the embers of a fire. You've done that before, right? The fire's going out, but there's still coals. There's still hot coals. And what do you do? You put some more wood on there maybe, but then you stir it up. And, And that gets... The fire going again. And so we, to be diligent, we stir up our souls uh, to keep God's law uh, so that we begin to heat up uh, our desires, uh, to have zeal, to have fervor, to have diligence. So we have to have resolve uh, to keep God's law with diligence. And I, I know that all of us at times are spiritually lazy. See, sometimes we use grace as an excuse to be lazy. But that would be a wrong use of grace. And sometimes we put forth only a minimal effort. And we seek to just get by in the Christian life. Uh, Well, after all, we're very busy people. We don't really have time to just be reading the Bible all day long, do we? I mean, you've got work to do, you've got things to do, places to go, and so forth. But you know, this idea of diligence and zeal for the Lord and His precepts, this is not some high-level attainment only for super-spiritual people. It's God's will for every Christian. Every Christian should be this way. Um, Think of someone who's diligent in their business. Uh, They get up early, they put in long hours, and... uh, They're diligent so that they can be successful in business. And there, I dare say, probably anybody that's really successful in business that was not diligent. The same is true with with athletics, with sports. Uh, What's the difference between good athletes and great athletes? It's diligence in uh, putting and giving themselves into training and preparation. For hours on end. So the diligent Christian, you see, is the one who's really going to be the happiest and and the most blessed. So are you firmly resolved to obey the Lord's commands? You have to ask yourself that question. Uh, Am I diligent? Am I willing to exercise diligence in my obedience? And we know, again, I have to remind you, because I have to remind myself, we're saved by grace alone. You are given eternal life, eternal life in heaven with God as a free gift. You'll never, ever be able to earn it. It's already been given and paid for and given to you. 
And yet, we must be zealous to keep his precepts. Some would say, why? If you're already saved, why would it matter? Well, first of all, think about Jesus Christ. Jesus was diligent in keeping all the commandments. Jesus did so in order to earn a perfect righteousness that he could impute to you, that he could give to you as his gift. He was zealous for us. He went to the cross for us. How can we not be zealous for him? How can we not desire to be diligent in keeping the law? Out of thanksgiving. You see, thankfulness should drive us to keep his precepts. You show me a disobedient Christian, I will show you a very ungrateful Christian. If you're disobedient and you're not careful in your obedience... You don't really, you're not very thankful for what God has done for you. So stir up thanksgiving for your salvation and for what Christ has done, and and you you will stir up your diligence. Of course, even when we are diligent to keep his precepts, we're going to to fall short. We, We will find that mere resolve is not enough. We know that from New Year's resolutions. But verse 5, the psalmist Praise now. He says, oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. So he turns his resolve into a prayer. A resolve is a desire. Shorter Catechism says, what is prayer? And prayer, first of all, is an offering of our desires unto God. So here's a a question. What, What desires are you offering to God in prayer? What is it that you really desire the most? Um, and, and so the psalmist is, is saying, oh, my desire is to be directed to keep your statutes. You see, have you been praying about that? I would, I would urge you to, to make this your prayer, your constant prayer. Uh, I know that, it's, that we need to pray for forgiveness, and we're encouraged to do that in the scriptures all the time. To confess our sins, to ask forgiveness. Every day we should be doing that. But we also need to pray prayers of, of, of prevention, don't we? We know that prevention's better than the cure. Better to not have to be forgiven if, if we can keep from sinning. So the psalmist prays here for direction. He says, direct me. What? Not for some secret will, what should I do in, in this or that situation it's so much. You know, how, how do I know what your will is for me? But... Direct me to keep your statutes. That's what we need more than anything else. If we were directed to keep God's law, he would take care of the rest. So turn your precepts, God's precepts, into prayers. Philippians 2, 11 and 12 indicates how we need to rely on God, how we need to pray and, and, and trust in God who is at work to, so that we can will and do His will. Uh, we are not able unless we are constantly relying on Him in prayer. Verse 6, Then I would not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments. We know the feeling, don't we? We know the feeling of sinning and feeling ashamed for it. You know, shame is a blessing. To feel shame for sin is a blessing. 
or else we want to keep doing it and, and we'd never turn from it. Adam and Eve felt shame when they sinned. They tried to hide themselves from God. Uh, shame is, is a painful feeling of guilt, of, of embarrassment or disgrace. And we've all been there. Don't, don't imagine that, that the others around you are without sin and shame. You look at their lives and you may not see. You see everything. You only see the tip of the iceberg. Uh, but we all have it. And Spurgeon said, there's nothing to be ashamed of in a holy life. So uh, the goal, the desire is, is to be unashamed. Unashamed not so we're embarrassed that others see us, but unashamed before God. And it's only, of course, in the Lord Jesus that we can stand unashamed, isn't it? And Christ was willing to suffer the shame of the cross so that we could stand unashamed before God. The psalmist says that, that we look, I would not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments. Okay, what he's saying is, I won't be ashamed when I really don't leave anything out. It, it's easy to get the big stuff. It's like, you know, sweeping a room or, or clearing off your, your counter, you know, Wiping it clean, you might get everything clean. Well, there's that little bit of dust in the corner. I'll, I'm not going to worry about that. Or there's that cobweb up, up, you know, in the ceiling. We'll get that later. All right? No. Be diligent uh, to look at all God's commands. Strive to keep all. Never be satisfied with partial obedience. So then, you want to be blessed? Do you want to be happy? Do you really? Then, uh, do you want to be unashamed? It's hard to be happy and be ashamed, isn't it? Um, then resolve to keep his precepts, his statutes, his testimonies, his commandments. And pray for grace to keep your resolve uh, to his laws. So is there one area, is there that one place where the cobwebs still exist in your own life that you've not been obeying the Lord. And that's something you need to pray about. I would urge you to pray about that today. James 1.25 tells us, we read earlier, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. This one will be happy. At least the final point from our passage in verses 7 to 8 we obey mainly in order that God would be praised. And at the beginning of the message and all throughout, I've said if you want to be happy, keep the law of God. Walk in the way of God's law. And that's true. But the highest motivation for keeping God's law is so that God would be praised, so that God would be honored, God would be glorified. And actually the two go together. Uh, first question and answer of the Shorter Catechism, what is the chief end of man? God's, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. So joy, happiness, blessing, and glorifying God go together. But notice, glorifying God is first. The chief end of man is to glorify God. And if we do, we will enjoy Him forever. We, we glorify God um, and we're enabled to enjoy Him. And we will be happier. 
when we do that. We'll glorify and praise him most, too, when we find our happiness in the Lord and in his word. Verse 7, I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. And so we have to say, where do I get an upright heart? Uh, again, we, we turn to the Lord and um, we say, Lord, you know, I, I don't, we have to confess that we don't often have an upright heart, but desiring that, um, then we pray that he teaches us. Lord, uh, I will praise you with uprightness when I learn your righteous judgments. The idea of the fact that he's stating the fact that, that, that I, when I learn, he's saying I haven't learned everything. I, I've got more to learn, more room for growth, don't you? Do you have more that you need to learn of God's commandments and judgments? Um, we, you know, God desires an upright heart. Um, but we need to be taught, don't we? So knowledge of God leads to godly living and practice, which leads ultimately to worship of the Lord. And then verse 8, he says, I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. And it's an interesting verse. You know, if the psalmist did keep his statutes, you know, why would God forsake him? And maybe he's thinking of the fact that, well, I know, uh, even though I do, I am resolved, I will keep your statutes, I know that I will not do so perfectly. Um, Oh, do not forsake me utterly. You know, uh, David, when he confessed his sin in Psalm 51, you know, he said, um, you know, Lord, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. You know, don't, don't leave me. Uh, to myself. Uh, we know our obedience is not perfect. Uh, will God forsake us if we disobey? No. If we're in Jesus Christ, He will not forsake us. Uh, you know, on the cross, uh, Jesus was forsaken. Uh, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken that you and I would never be forsaken. So this question, you know, this, this, this cry, oh, do not forsake me utterly, has been answered by Jesus for us. He will not. I will never, no, never forsake you, he has said. Uh, even when your obedience is imperfect, and it always is, he will not forsake you. He will never leave you. You know, uh, Charles Bridges in his commentary said that David was forsaken at times, but not like Saul. Saul was utterly forsaken. Peter was forsaken, but not like Judas, utterly and forever. At times you might feel forsaken by God. God gives us kind of a, that taste uh, from time to time so that we would yearn more for His presence. But He never, never utterly forsakes us. So then, do you want to be happy? You might, you might say, I don't know. <laughs> it's a tall order to be happy if I read these verses right. But still, I think you do want to be happy. And I think you know by experience, when you, when you uh, resist temptation, when you do obey the Lord's command, even in, in, in your own halting, stumbling way, you know that you're happier 
when you have a clear conscience about these things. You know that's where true joy is found and blessing. So to be truly blessed in this life and in the next, to be resolved to learn the word, obey the word, live for the praise of the Lord, of the word, be diligent, give yourselves wholly to these things, pray for much grace to follow through with your resolve, and then you'll discover what you already know, how blessed and how happy are those who walk in the law of the Lord. Let's pray together.